Today we're going to continue our series called That's a Wrap, uh, which is, of course, a phrase used by, by movie directors uh, when their project is complete. Well, the truth is, in just a few short weeks, my wife and I, we're going to be wrapping up our 20-year season as pastors of this incredible church. I was thinking about that, and I was considering that, and what I should do in the last few weeks of our ministry. I, I just felt uh, uh, instructed, felt led uh, of the Lord to reiterate some of the most important things that I have that I have taught you in this 20-year season. Specific things that I feel called uh, to focus on in, in my ministry in particular. Now, the Apostle Peter is my inspiration for this season. I want us to notice what he said to his people. It's recorded in 2 Peter chapter number 1, verses 12 through 15. And Peter writes, and he says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things. He said, even though you already know them and you're already standing firm in the truth that you have been taught. He said, it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. Well, we began this series last Sunday as we talked about caring. Don't stop caring. Our focus for today is on giving. Now, now this is a subject that gets overlooked by a lot of pastors. And it gets overlooked by a lot of pastors because they don't want to take the heat that comes to them if they address this subject. Believe me, I, I personally, I have received a lot of heat myself over the years for preaching about giving. But here's the, here's the interesting thing, and that is it never comes from the givers. <laughs> I never get heat. I never get criticism from the givers. It always comes from the non-givers or the barely givers or the I don't want to givers. <laughs> Please hear my heart this morning. It's because I love you. It's because I want you to be blessed. This is my motivation. Amen. All right, let's get started this morning. Let's begin by talking about, let's talk about the challenge, the challenge of giving. Let's, let's look in the book of Malachi, chapter number three. Malachi, chapter three, verses eight through 12. And it's a very interesting passage. And notice the questions that are being asked and answered here. Verse eight says, will a man rob God? What, a, what an incredible, incredible question. Can you even imagine how that it would even be possible to rob God? But the question is asked, will a man rob God? But God answers the question and he says, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God said, in tithes and offerings. And God says, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, 
so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And then Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 7, Paul writes and he says, let each one give. Let him give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. So these are but two. I could have given you so many, but these are just two of a host of scriptures where we are challenged to give. Now, I want to ask and I want to endeavor to answer three questions concerning giving. So very, very important that, that you pay attention to these questions. The first one, the first question is this, and that is, what should we give? We're talking about giving. What should we give? Well, we should begin with a tithe. That's where we should begin. We should begin with a tithe. You say, Pastor, what is a tithe? Well, a tithe is a percentage. The word tithe literally means a tenth part. It means one out of ten. It means ten percent. So what should we give? Well, we should begin with a tithe. We should begin with 10%. 10% of all of our increase, 10% of all of our income, 10% of all of our profit. So when we get our salary or we make a profit from something or or we receive a gift, listen, think about this. We get to keep 90% of it. See, we like to focus on the fact that we have to give 10% to God, that God asks for 10%, but we need to focus on the fact that God allows us to keep 90% of all of our salary, our profit, our, uh, our gifts. We get to keep 90% of all of our increase, and God only asks for 10% of it. Listen, that's a pretty good deal when you understand that God owns all of it. But not only should we give a tithe, but also we should give an offering. See, the offering is above the tithe. First of all, we tithe, and then above and beyond that, then we give our offering. Now, an offering could be for missions, or it could be for a special project, or it could be to minister to the poor, or the list goes on and on and on of what our offering could possibly be. Aren't you glad you came to church today? In Luke chapter 22 and verse 37, Jesus said, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. So here Jesus said that we should love God with all of our heart. And that would include our wallet. Now you might say, pastor, that's a stretch. But is it? Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, Jesus said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So here's what I know, and that is, and that, is that we spend money on the people and the things that we love. See, see, show me your finances, and if you will show me your finances, even if I've, I don't even know you or know anything about you, but if you will show me your finances, I will tell you what you truly love. By looking at your finances, by seeing where you put your money, where you spend your money, it will tell me what you truly love. It will tell me what your priority is. It'll tell me what you value. It will tell me what is most important to you. 
We're talking about the challenge of giving. First of all, what should we give? Well, first of all, both tithe and offering. Question number two is this, where should we give? See, it's not only important that we know what we should give, we also need to know where we should give it. Where should we give? Well, the answer is we should begin with where we are getting our spiritual food from. We should begin by where we're getting our pastoral care and oversight from. It should begin with where we get our consistent fellowship from. And that place is where? Yeah, it's our local church. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 that we read says bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Now I believe that the storehouse for us today is our local church. See the church today simply cannot function without the tithe and the offering of its members. Let me ask you this morning, you know, how do, how do you think our $14,000 a month church payment gets paid? How do you think that our lead pastor and eight staff members get paid? How do you think the insurance on a $5 million building, how, how, where do you think the money comes from to pay the utilities on a 25,000 square foot building? And the, and, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on of what it takes uh, to, take, to take care of the church and meet the needs of, of the church. Where should we give? Well, we should start by investing in our own fellowship with a tithe. Hey, read your Bible. God's plan for financing his work has always been through the giving of his people. That's how the prophets were taken care of. That's how the priests uh, were supported in the Old Testament. Hey, how do you think Jesus and his staff were taken care of? Jesus and 12 disciples, 13 men and their families. How do you think they were supported? They were supported by the gifts of God's people. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 through 3 says Jesus was on a preaching and teaching tour of nearby towns. And it says here that he took his 12 disciples with him. And it says Joanna along with many others contributed, say contributed, contributed their own resources in order to support Jesus and his disciples. Read through the epistles and you'll see that the apostles' ministry was supported by the, by, by the people of God, by the giving of God's people. You say, well, you know, Paul was a tent maker. Paul made tents. Paul worked. Yes, Paul was a tent maker. Yes, Paul worked. But I'll tell you what Paul did. If you'll read the scripture, you'll discover what Paul did was, and that was he didn't take a dime from sinners, but he did take money from all other churches. He would go and establish a church, and then that church would send him out so that he could go out somewhere else and not have to charge for his services and for his ministry and build another one. And when he built that one, then they would help him and on and on and on on it goes. In fact, he said in one place, he said, I, to to one group of people, he said, I've robbed from other churches so I would not have to charge you. So if you'll read through the Bible, you'll discover from the beginning to the end, the work of God has always been supported by the people of God, by God's people. That's always been God's plan for financing his work. Where should we give? Begin by supporting the church you attend. Hey, hey, if you think it's okay to go to a church 
and then give all of your tithe and, and all of your offerings to a TV preacher or some other church or some other ministry. If you think that's okay, then I challenge you this morning, the next time you eat a Big Mac at McDonald's, you just leave McDonald's and you walk across the street to Burger King and you pay them for what you got at McDonald's and see how that works for you. Third question I want to ask and answer this morning, and that is when should we give? When should we give? And the answer, the answer is as soon as we receive our increase and when challenged concerning a legitimate need. Listen to these scriptures. First Corinthians 16 and 2 says on the first day of the week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait till I get there, Paul writes, and then try to collect it all at once. And first John chapter three, verse 16 through 19 says, if someone has enough money to live well, sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Don't merely say that you love people, show it by your actions. And Proverbs chapter three, verse 27 and 28 says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and then I will help. So when should we give? As soon as possible after receiving our increase or salary or profit. The Bible talks about first fruits, not leftovers. When should we give? Also when presented with a legitimate need. All right, we've talked just a little bit about the challenge of giving. Now I want to talk a little bit about the critics of giving. Yeah, the critics of giving. And these critics are many and they are vocal. First of all, they claim the tithing was only under the law. They don't tithe today because they believe that tithing was just under the law. And so they say that since tithing was under the law and we are now living under grace, the tithing has been done away with and we no longer need to tithe. That's their argument. That's part of what the critics say. But the truth of the matter is tithing was, was practiced long before, over 400 years before the law was given. They were given, they were tithing. It continued during the law and practiced after the law. And there's not one single scripture that says tithing has been done away with. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Tithing is just one aspect of giving. See, not only should we tithe, but we should be generous in giving offerings. Tithing should just be a starting point. People are complaining and criticizing and, and balking at tithing. You know, and and that's, just, that's just 101. That's just the beginning of what we should be doing for God financially. Now, I want you to hear me clear this, this morning. I, I'm not preaching tithing as a law. I'm preaching it as a principle. And I'm not trying to guilt you into tithing. Listen, I pastor the non-tithers with as much consistency as I do the tithers. But listen, if you're looking for an excuse, if you're looking for a loophole for not tithing, the critics will certainly give you one. But the unvarnished truth is these kinds of people have a heart issue. They have a heart issue. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said where your treasure is, he said, that's where you'll find your heart. 
Does anybody still love me in this house this morning? About 20%. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Amen. I'll take it. Hey, we're going to get to the good stuff in just a little bit. Hang on. We're going to get to the good stuff in just a moment. Think about this seriously. Seriously, think about this. If the critics are right, and I don't believe they are, but if the critics are right and tithing was just for the law, should we, under grace, do less? Think about it. We have been given so much more. We get to know God personally. We get to walk into the throne room of God personally. We have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. We've been given so much more and we want to do less? Really? Let me give you something else about the critics, and that is they use logic as an excuse not to give. They use logic. In Mark uh, chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, there's a very interesting account. I, I have to be honest, I love, I love this account. And it's Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Let me read it to you. Now listen, listen closely and just think about it while I'm reading this. Now Jesus sat sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants, a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. First thing I want you to notice is where Jesus was sitting. Right across from the offering box. So that he could see clearly as the people put in their offerings. Think about it. I wonder how that'd go over if I did that. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that some of the people changed what they were going to give when they saw where Jesus was sitting. (laughs) They went from the front pocket where the change is to the back pocket where the big bucks were. (laughs) Hey, he's still watching the offering box today. Notice second that some rich folks came to church that day and they put in some big bucks. But they didn't impress Jesus. But there was a little widow that was there that day and she put in two mites. Now I've had mite givers before. I ask, will you tithe? And they say, I might. (laughs) Will you give to missions? I might. I've had might givers before. No, a might was a very, very small. In fact, it is so small of amount of money that we, in America today, we don't even have a coin that, I mean, it's like a fourth of a penny. 
But Jesus was impressed with her. He was impressed with her because even though she only gave two mites, two mites was all that she had. No, she didn't give a tithe. No, she didn't give a tithe and an offering. No, she gave all. The critics use logic as an excuse not to give. They say things like, well, I need to take care of all of my needs first. I need to take care of my family first. Or I need it more than my church needs it. Or, or I don't approve of what my church is doing with the money. Or, or, or the list could go on. But I want you to notice what Jesus didn't do in this story. Notice that Jesus didn't stop the widow from giving. He didn't stop her from giving. He didn't say, no, stop. He didn't say, no, 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 no. You're a widow lady. No, no, you have nobody to care for you. No, you, 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 you need that more than the ministry does. Jesus didn't say, hey, little lady, no, no, no. No, let, we got some rich people here today. Let them, let them give. You, 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 you go back. You don't have to give. He didn't do that. Notice Jesus didn't say to her, well, well why, why don't you just give one mite? You got two mites. Why don't you just give one mite? That would be half of everything you've got. Why don't you just give one mite and keep the other mite for yourself? That's what the critics would say to themselves. But see, Jesus knew that the blessing, listen, listen, Jesus knew that the blessing that she was going to receive from giving her gift would be much more valuable to her than her keeping the little two mites that she had. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Third thing, and I've got to hurry this morning. Third thing about the critics of giving, and that is they let others carry the load. Yeah, they let others carry the load. See, see, the truth is, although everybody, everybody, everybody shares in all of the benefits of a church and its ministries, yet it is always the minority that shoulder the, 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 main, the majority of the financial load. Think about it. The tithe was an ingenious idea by God. Because it's not equal giving. See, if all of us are tithers today and all of us tithe, we didn't all give the same amount. It's not equal giving, but it's an equal percentage of what we all have and what we all make. It's equitable for both rich and poor. That's why it makes so much sense and why I believe that it is for all time. It's ingenious. Only God, right? All right, we get to get, we, we're, we're getting to the good part of the message. I'm so excited that I get to end the message today with the good stuff. All right, thirdly, let's talk about the compensation of giving. The compensation of giving. See, the benefits of giving are incredible. Incredible. See, the biggest beneficiaries of giving are not the receivers, but the givers. See, the reason why I, have, why I have pounded consistently on the subject of giving is not just for the benefit of this church. And look around you. This church has benefited greatly because I have emphasized giving. But that's not my purpose this morning. My main purpose in consistently preaching and teaching giving has been for your benefit. Your benefit, your benefit, your benefit, your benefit, your benefit. Remember what I've always taught you? That is, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Remember, I've told you, if you'll become a giver, he will always make sure you have something to give. And listen to me this morning. I don't just preach giving. I practice it. 
I practice it. And I have discovered that giving is the best investment that I can make. And I've made some pretty good investments in the last 50 years that I've been on my own. Thank God I've reaped some benefits of some good investments that I've made along the way. But I want to tell you that I've never made a greater investment. I've never received more return from investment than the return that I have received on the giving that I have, that I have done for the Lord. And, I t- and I'm going to tell you, listen, my wife and I have literally emptied. I didn't say we gave a here or that. My wife and I have literally emptied our bank account three times in the past 50 years, given absolutely every nickel we had. But don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for us. Our bank account is not empty today. We are reaping today from 50 years of generous sowing. Now, I'm not saying this this morning to brag. I'm saying this as a testimony, and I'm saying this to let you know it's not just something I preach. It's not just something that I teach. It's not just theory, but I've walked it out. I've fleshed it out. I've lived it out in my own life. All right, very quickly, let me give you three statements about the compensation of giving this morning. wish I had an hour for this. The first thing I want to say is this, and that is our sowing will determine our reaping. Our sowing will determine our reaping. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. You will always harvest what you plant. Do not grow weary of sowing. At just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 6. He who sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you will also reap Bountifully. So, the, so the, uh, the truth is this morning, our sowing is going to determine our reaping. Friend, that's the word of God. Just as John 3, 16 is true, so is this. It's the scripture. It's the holy scripture. It's the holy word of God. Listen, I don't know if you believe it or not. I know a lot of you must not believe it because you don't practice it. But I'm telling you that I believe it and it works for me. And it'll work for you. Let me give you my second statement about co- the compensation. That is, giving is the source for more. Giving is the source for more. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25 says, Give freely and you'll become more wealthy. Be stingy and you'll lose everything. It says, The generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refresh. It's the word. Luke chapter six and verse 38 says to give. And what's going to happen if you give? He says, you're going to receive. And he says, your gift is going to return to you in full. Listen, you can't even get rid of it. It'll come back to you some, at some point in time in your future, give and you will receive your gift will come back to you. Your, your gift will return to you in full. Paul says, it's going to come back pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. It's going to come back running over and it's going to be poured in your lap. And he says, also, he says, the amount you give will determine the amount that you will get back. Listen, giving is the source for more. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying this morning. I, I'm not saying that giving to God is like, is like putting money into a slot machine, you know, put money in, pull the lever and hit the jackpot. That's not what I'm preaching. That's not what I am teaching. What I'm teaching is a principle. It's a principle. It's the principle, and the principle of giving is found in the three laws of the harvest. I've given these to you many times. There are three laws of the harvest. The first law of the harvest is you reap what you sow. 
If you, if you sow corn, you're going to reap. Because you reap what you sow. Second law of the harvest is, and that is you reap later than you sow. A lot of people will start giving. They'll give a time or two, and they don't get blessed automatically, and don't get blessed real quickly. And so they give, give up, and they quit, and say, it doesn't work. No, no. Listen, you not only reap what you sow, but you reap later than you sow. It's seed time harvest. So the three laws of the harvest are you reap what you sow, you reap later than you sow, and you reap more than you sow. And you can take that to the bank, I promise you. Well, let me give you my third and final statement about the compensation, and that one is this, and that is giving is the secret sauce for a fulfilling life. Yeah, giving is the secret sauce for a fulfilling life. Acts chapter 20, uh, 20, chapter 20, verse 35 says, don't forget what Jesus said. It is a greater blessing to give than to receive. Now, I could never understand that. I remember my dad, who was a pastor. I remember my dad preaching about giving, and I remember my dad using this scripture many times that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And as a kid, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. I couldn't understand it at all. I couldn't imagine how in the world that there could be more joy in giving than there was in receiving. And I would think to myself, then I want everybody to be blessed, so give to me so you can be blessed. Listen to this scripture. Wow, this is powerful. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 19 says, The fate of the greedy is it robs them of life. The fate of the greedy is it robs them of life. And listen to me, friend. You don't have to be rich to be greedy. See, to be greedy means to have an inordinate desire for more. It means to not be satisfied with enough. And this is something that all of us must battle because Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 20 says, says that human desire is never satisfied. And who better to write this than Solomon himself, who although he was the richest man to ever live, but his insatiable thirst for more was never quenched. Let me ask you this morning, do you want, do you want to experience more a more fulfilling life? Do you want to experience a more fulfilling life? Listen, the answer is then be a giver. Learn to be a giver. Learn to live life with an open hand. Be a river, not a reservoir. I I can't tell you. I can't tell you the joy that comes when you're able to hand the keys to an old beater car. To a single mom whose car tanked on on her and she can't get to work to make money to feed her kids. But you're able to provide. It ain't much, but it starts. It ain't much, but it'll get her to work and back. And the joy that comes. I know because I've experienced the joy of handing the keys to somebody who couldn't afford a car or couldn't get theirs fixed. The joy of paying the rent for somebody who's about to get evicted. Maybe, again, it might be a single mom. There might be children involved, and they're about to be evicted from their house or evicted from their apartment, uh, even though they're doing the best that they can. But to be able to provide rent for them, what a, what a joy. What, you talk about fulfillment. Or to give an offering for a project that will reap eternal 
rewards. Can't tell you the joy that comes to me and my wife to be able to invest the amount that we invest in the missions effort of the Grace Place, knowing, knowing that we have a part. We have a part in, in hungry children that now get a, get a good meal uh, every day. We get to be a part of, of people that, 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 that have been sick and watched their family die because of horrible, awful, uh, disgusting water. But we We've been able to partner with those that were drilling water wells and now they have fresh water to drink and we were a part of that man you don't know the joy the joy of handing a pastor in a third world country uh, the word of God but not only the word of God that they've never had in their entire life but the word of God with also some incredible commentary on every single page to see their eyes light up to see the joy in their face to see the tears come down their face as they realize now they have the word of God and they can share the word of God with their people listen I'm telling you that the most fulfilling thing in life is not receiving it's not more, more, more. Give me this, that, and something else. But listen, when we become a giver and we're able to give what joy, true joy, is all about. Yeah, friend, giving is the secret sauce for a fulfilling life. The takeaway this morning is this. If you don't get anything else, shame on you. Where you been? (laughs) But if you don't get anything else from this message this morning, you get this takeaway. And you think about this takeaway. You take this takeaway home and you think about it this week. And the takeaway is this. How can we complain about giving when we have been given so much? Father, I just pray today that you'll take your word today. Oh, God, I know it's not a popular message. I know, I know, oh, how well do I know. But, oh, God, if we could only grasp Lord, the power of this word today. God, it could totally, totally revolutionize our lives, oh God. Oh God, help us today. Help us today. I want to finish by reminding you one last time of two of the sayings that I've given to you over the years. And the first one is this. More is not all for me. More is not all for me. So when you get a windfall, something great happens, something extra comes into your life, understand more is not all for me. Second one is this, and that is the purpose of the game is to give. See, the reason why I want you to be able to be blessed financially, yes, I want your needs met, yes, I want your family blessed, yes, all of those things, yes. But I want you to have more in your hands so you can do more for the kingdom of God because it's our responsibility.